Good evening. How's everyone doing? All right. It's good to be together to seek the Lord together. I believe I believe he does love us. We sang that. It's one thing to say that, sing that. It's another thing to know that. And my prayer tonight is that you would know the love of God. Would you join me in praying? Father, thank you. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you that we are not alone in this world, in this life, and that God, you are pursuing, you are seeking the lost. And God, we have all been lost, and yet you sought us out, and you found us, and you have begun a healing process in every person who's here, different different levels, different places. But I pray that God, tonight as we open your word, that you would begin and continue to speak to our hearts, to our lives, and to exactly uh, what you want to say to us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So you guys getting tired of the Sermon on the Mount? <laughs> All right, well, I hope not. The, the Sermon on the Mount is... Uh, profound in so many ways. The, the world has a lot of philosophers, a lot of teachers, a lot of voices saying lots of different things, but I believe the words of Jesus are unparalleled. Um, there's no one who's taught like Jesus, and there's no one who's uh, explained the human condition like Jesus has on the Sermon on the Mount. And so uh, I know some up on the hill, I challenge some to memorize the Sermon on the Mount, and I know some have been working on that, and it's amazing to hear what God does when you take time to really reflect on what Jesus is saying. So I encourage you, um, you don't have to memorize the whole thing, but if you feel led to, I think it would be a worthwhile use of your, uh, your brain space to do that, but to take time and reflect, to think about deeply and seriously about what Jesus is saying. Uh, we, we hear a lot about Jesus, but when you really think about what is he saying, it's life-changing. It's world-changing. It turns everything upside down. Um, we've been in the Sermon on the Mount for a long time, but I'm just going to give you a quick recap. Jesus is addressing the deepest human questions that we have. Um, he's addressing the issue of what brings fulfillment, what brings satisfaction to the human life. Uh, what will truly make us happy? Um, that's, a, that's a big question. And there's a lot of voices out there addressing that question, right? You just turn on the TV, turn on the radio, and people are addressing what will make you happy, what will fulfill you, what will satisfy you, what will bring you success. And so Jesus is addressing that question. But more than just answering that question, he's introducing something. In fact, in chapter 4, he says, Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so the Sermon on the Mount is about the kingdom of God. It's about who God is and what he is doing in the world. And Jesus is answering the question of what is the kingdom? What does it look like? What does it mean for us? Not only when we die someday, but right now in this life, what does the kingdom of God do to us? How does it work in us and among us? And so Jesus is, is presenting that issue to us. And it's the most important issue for us as human beings is who is our creator? What's he doing in this world? And so Jesus is addressing that. And he's talking about our greatest purpose as human beings. He's explaining what is it 
truly mean to live with a purpose that God created us for? And uh, we saw in, in chapter 5, Jesus used two words to describe our purpose, salt and light. And ultimately, what that has to do with is our love for God, giving glory to God, and our love for other people. And so if you boil the whole Sermon on the Mount down, it, it's this concept of love. And what does unconditional love look like from God towards us and then us towards other people? And so we are now in chapter 7, and Jesus had a transition in chapter 6 from our worship, our love for God, to chapter 7, looking at our love for others. And what does that look like? And so last week, Boomer uh, talked about not judging. How many of you, I think he probably asked this question, have been helped or felt loved by someone who judged you or condemned you? Anyone? <laughs> right? Not many of us. Right? It's not effective. It doesn't work. And so Jesus is saying, don't do it because it doesn't help people. In fact, it harms people. It hurts people. So he says, don't judge people. Rather, truly help them. Truly help them. Truly love them. Give them what they need. That's what he's saying in verse 6 of chapter 7. And so tonight we're going to be looking at verses 7 through 12. Here's what he says. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks you for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you're evil... Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. So how many people here have kids who ask you for things? Anyone? (laughs) I have three boys, and sometimes I wonder... Can they do anything but ask for things, <laughs> right? All the time, they're asking for different things. But uh, it's interesting, as a father, as a parent, I find myself delighting even in their asking. Now, sometimes I can be annoyed, but uh, my youngest son, who is just turned four, uh, when he's hungry, he'll say, Dad, give me a torta. Give me a torta. And uh, you probably don't know what. That is, but so instead of being frustrated and looking at him and saying, Mijo, ¿por qué no entiendes que el nombre es tortilla? Right? I don't say that. <laughs> I say, okay, I'll get you a torta. Which he's trying to say is tortilla or tortilla. All right? And so he can't say that word, so I don't get mad at him. I go and give him what he needs. Okay? Now some of you are saying, why is he talking in Spanish? Well, I, I grew up in Venezuela. I speak, I speak Spanish. And my kids get annoyed when I talk to them in Spanish. So I try not to do it. But so I don't get upset when he asks me, even though he asks me wrongly. He doesn't, he doesn't know the right word or the right way to say it. But I don't get upset. I delight in giving him what he needs. And I think that's what Jesus is talking about in these verses. These verses can be... Um, confusing sometimes because we think of uh, these things and we say, well, life doesn't always work this way, right? 
we ask and we seek and we knock and things don't always end up the way we think they should or the way we want them to. So what is Jesus really talking about here? Well, I think he's talking about two different things. I think he's talking about our relationship with God and he talks about prayer. And so I think prayer is one piece, but I think he's also talking about our relationships with each other, our relationships with each other. Because in the prior verse, in chat, uh, uh, verse 6, he says, Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under your feet and turn and tear you to pieces. So what's he talking about? He's basically just saying, don't give things that people don't need or don't want. <laughs> He's saying, you know, a pig could care less for a pearl or of what's sacred. And so what does a pig want? It wants food, right? And so he's saying, give people what they really need, what they really want. And so this, ver- this section is, t- is continuing that theme, and Jesus culminates that theme in verse 12, right? Verse 12 is the culmination of this whole section where Jesus says, So, therefore, do e- everything you do to others what you would have them do to you. Now, that is so simple, but it's so profound if you think about it. If you try to live that out, you will find that this is an incredibly powerful idea that God wants to unleash in our lives. And so let's look at how Jesus wants to do this. How does he want to do this in our lives? So in verse 7, when he says, ask, seek, and knock, there's an there's a increasing intensity of, of how we approach someone. And so the Sermon on the Mount is ultimately about relationship, relationship with God, relationship with others. And so Jesus is unlocking this door to understanding the power of relationships and the importance they have in our lives. And so when we communicate with one another, how we communicate matters, right? And uh, I've been married for uh 16 years and I'm still learning how to communicate with my wife and she's still learning how to communicate with me and and we we're getting better at it after 16 years but communication is an ongoing thing that we I don't think ever fully arrive at but it's something we're always growing in how do we truly share what's inside of us with someone else that's difficult it's hard, I know, because when I'm up here talking, <laughs> it's hard for me to truly communicate, truly share what's going on in here. It's a challenge, and it's a challenge in all of our relationships. But what happens so many times is in our relationships, we're always guessing what the other person needs or what they want, right? <laughs> and sometimes my wife says, you should just know, right? <laughs> but I don't always know, and sometimes I think she should know. But we have to express. And so what Jesus is saying here, if we're really going to love people, we have to tell them what's true and what's honest about us. We have to speak openly and honestly. Openly and honestly. We have to express what are our intentions? What are our desires? What are we looking for? Because if we're going to have loving relationships with other people, we need to understand where they're at and where we are at where we stand, and then we can build something together. We can build trust together. Now, I said this sermon is primarily about love. If there was another word I would use about the Sermon on the Mount, it's trust. If 
I could boil down all the words Jesus says here down to two profound, powerful words. It would be love and trust. And if you think about it, that's what creates a relationship. If you have love and trust, you have a relationship. You have something that's beautiful, something that's good. And so God is pointing us to what is good, what is right, what is beautiful. And so when we are in our relationships, our human relationships, we need to be open and honest. We need to share what's really inside, what we're really thinking. And when we do this, we can trust. In fact, in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, which is the famous love chapter in the Bible, a lot of people use it in their weddings, right? Um, although Paul, I think, is talking about it in the context of the church. It applies in marriage, but it's really for all of our relationships. What does he say about love? He says, love always trusts. Love always trusts. Now, you guys in this room have lived long enough to know that trust is a dangerous thing, <laughs> right? It's hard to trust people. Why? Because we've all been hurt in some way. We've all been damaged in some way because we've had desires or things or things happen to us or people overstep boundaries. And so it's hard to trust. It's hard to trust. But Jesus is inviting us to a place of trust because of one reason. Because we have a relationship with our Father in heaven. And so the whole Sermon on the Mount is based on this idea that if we find our satisfaction, our fulfillment, our blessing in God, and His presence in us, then we have security. We have something that nothing, no one could ever take away from us. We have what only God could give us, which is the ultimate treasure, where Jesus says, where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. And what is he talking about? He says, don't store up treasures on earth, but store your treasures in heaven. So if our treasure is with God, then that cannot be taken away. We have what can never be taken away. We have God's love, God's trust in us. And with that, we can enter the world with the ability to trust people. Now, I love the fact that Jesus pointed us to kids. He said, he said, if you want to enter the kingdom, you have to be like a little kid. You have to be like a child. <laughs> Why would he say that? Well, what I notice about my kids is they trust ruthlessly, incredibly. <laughs> so my son likes to jump on the trampoline, and when I come to uh, get him off, he doesn't even wait. He just runs and he jumps right off the trampoline. Why does he do that? Because he knows I will catch him. <laughs> and I haven't dropped him yet. <laughs> I'm afraid that one of these days, then he'll have trust issues, right? <laughs> but, but he trusts. And my kids, they don't doubt that I'm going to have food for them. They don't doubt that I'm going to be there for them. They live with incredible amount of trust. And Jesus is saying, the kingdom of God is like that. He wants us to live with that kind of trust, ultimately in God himself. But when we have that kind of trust in God, what it does, and this is what Jesus does throughout the Sermon on the Mount, he weaves the relationship with God with our relationship with other people. Later in 1 John, he says it like this. He says, you cannot say you love God if you don't love your brother who is right in front of you. So what, what the Bible is saying is this idea is you can't be a super spiritual, 
person who says, I have a great relationship with God, and then you're nasty and mean to everyone else around you. (laughs) It doesn't work that way. The Bible says that a person who has a relationship with God, the fruit of that is love. It's unconditional love towards other people. You become a person of blessing to other people. You reflect the goodness of God to everyone you come in contact with. And so this is what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about our communication with other people that comes from a trust in God that allows us to trust other people. And so we can be bold. We can ask. We can seek. We can knock. And God works through that. God works through trusting relationships. If you think about it, if you think about everything that's good in this life, in this world, if you really boil it down, it comes down to trusting relationships. Good relationships, right? The things that bring us the most joy in life, time with our family, time with our friends, those connections with special, dear people in your life. If you think about that, think about if, if you're into business and the, the greatest business deals and things that are opened in your life, it comes down to trust, right? Trusting relationships with different people. You see, God works through that. And God intends that for our lives. And he intends that for our world. And if you think about the opposite of that, everything that's broken and dark and, and horrible in our world comes with relationships that are broken. Abuse, judgment, criticism, um, violence towards other people, right? And so stealing and taking. And so all those things are reflective of Satan's work to destroy trusting relationships. And so God is presenting a new vision for the world with the kingdom taking over human hearts and bringing about love and trust into our world. Now here's here's the key. The Sermon on the Mount talks about the transformation of our hearts because the reality is most of the problems of this world are addressed externally. So we try to pass new laws, we try to Uh, reform our behavior, we try to manage our sin, we try to do all these things, but the Sermon on the Mount says none of that works. What God is really after is our hearts and the transformation of our being. He wants us to be new kinds of people, not just better people, but new people that are transformed, that are made new. And this is the whole gospel, the good news of God, that Jesus came into this world and he died on a cross and he rose again to make the world new. (laughs) And he's starting with us. He's making us into brand new people. And our hearts begin to reflect the goodness of God, the grace of God, the love of God, the trust of God. And when we live in this world as transformed human beings, we bring about goodness. We bring about love. We bring about blessing to other people. And so this passage is also about the shaping of our desires, the shaping of our desires. And now this is what prayer is all about. So Jesus is talking about our human relationships, but he's also talking about our relationship with God, and he's referring to prayer. Because if we have a relationship with God, and earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talked about prayer, and he told us how to pray. He said, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors, and lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. And so, as Jesus taught us how to pray, 
He invites us to the transformation of our desires. And how does he say this? He says, seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. So earlier I mentioned that this passage is hard because we go through life and there's a lot of things we want, a lot of things we desire, and we don't get them. <laughs> and even good things, right? We want our kids to be healthy. We want to be healthy. We want, to, we want life to go well, but the reality is life doesn't always go well. Things happen. There's sickness. There's accidents. There's things that come into our lives that are painful, harmful. And so we ask God, but sometimes he doesn't remove those things. And we wonder why. And so what Jesus is talking about here is the transformation of our desires. And he says, seek first his kingdom and righteousness. And so in this relationship with our Father and prayer, as we go through life and all the difficulties, all the challenges, all the things that are coming our way, he invites us to think about who our Father is. Who our Father is. And when you're going through a sickness, when you're going through a death of a loved one, when you're going through a job loss, <laughs> we need, you need that reminder. I need that reminder. And what is Jesus saying? He's saying, your Father in heaven will give good gifts to those who ask Him. And so what He's ultimately saying is that your Father's good. He ultimately wants what's best for you. Now, I don't always feel that. You probably don't always feel that as you go through life. And so we need this reminder of the reality of the goodness of God. And sometimes what we think we need or sometimes what we think will help us isn't always what really will. And there's only one who really knows, and it's God. Because <laughs> he sees everything. He sees you from the very beginning of time when you were conceived, when you were born. He sees your whole life, and he sees the end of your life, and he sees your all of eternity. <laughs> and so he sees everything behind you, in your present, and in your future. All you see right now, all I see right now, is, right, is what in right, right in front of me. All I know is what's happened to me. I don't know what's in front of me. And so I don't always know what is best. I, I think... I laugh sometimes because my kids have tried to convince me that they can survive on a diet of candy. They're convinced. They said, Dad, if you just give us candy, we'll be great. In fact, my, my son told me, when I get older and I leave the house, Dad, I'm just going to eat candy. <laughs> I said, great, so <laughs> you can do that. But here's, here's what I pray for my kids, that their hearts would be changed in such a way that they would no longer just desire candy, but they would actually desire vegetables. Because I know it's what's ultimately good for them. I, I know that if they grow to like vegetables and even enjoy vegetables, their life will be better. <laughs> I know it's good for them. So I make them eat vegetables right now, right? But it's not enough just to make them eat vegetables. But I pray that their hearts would be changed in such a way that they would actually desire vegetables. Because I know it's good for them. And so that's just a, a silly example, but... It, it points to the reality that sometimes what we think we really need, what we really want, is ultimately not what is best for us. And God sees. He knows. He ultimately knows what's best for us. And so what Jesus is inviting us is to trust that God is good and that he is present in our lives, in this world, working in such a way that he will ultimately bring about what is good. 
In the Old Testament, there's an amazing story of Joseph. And uh, some of you know the story. Um, he was sold off by his brothers. Uh, his, his story reads like a terrible story, <laughs> right? He became a slave. He was put in jail. But there was a turning point where he was brought into a most powerful place in Egypt. And his brothers, who had sold him to slavery, came before him. And, and he had an opportunity to get back at them, to get even with them. But he didn't. Instead of getting even or back with them, he said, he said this amazing statement. He says, what you intended for evil, God turned to good. God used for good. And that is, that is the culmination of what the Bible is saying. Is this world is full of evil. It's full of hardship. It's full of difficulty and disappointment. But God is working throughout the story, human history, in such a way that he's going to bring about goodness. He's going to bring everything good. And so the question for us as we come to a certain amount is, do we trust? Do we trust God? Do you trust God? Even though you don't see the end of the story yet, do you trust that God sees the end of your story? He sees the end of our story. That is what Jesus is talking about. There's a risk in relationships, and I think Jesus is talking about that risk both with God and with others. Um, he told a story in Luke chapter 11 about prayer, um, kind, of, kind of the same teaching out of the Sermon on the Mount. And he said there was a man who uh, had some guests come over, and he said that man um, didn't have any food for them. So he went to his neighbor's house, and it's, Jesus specifically says he's a friend. So he's not just only a neighbor, he's actually someone he knows. And he knocks on his door, and it's late at night. And this man has his family, and they're all asleep in bed. And he says, go away, because we're all sleeping. But Jesus said, this man doesn't stop knocking. He keeps knocking. And finally, Jesus said, that man gets up, not because he's a friend, but because this guy won't leave him alone. <laughs> and then he opens the door and he gives him what he needs so he can share with his guests his food. And that's what Jesus is talking about here in prayer, is that we can come to our Father with boldness. We can come to him with confidence, just like my kids come to me, just like your kids come to you, with full trust, full confidence, not afraid, not ashamed, just come and knock on that door. Because God is good and he wants to give us what we need. Because Jesus says in Luke 11, he says, how much more will your father give you what you need because he loves you? And that's what we sing, right? He loves you. He loves us. And so we need to be secure in that relationship. Here's how I want to close tonight as you, as you think about, as you reflect on the goodness of God and trusting him in your life. I don't know the circumstances of your life tonight. You know. But the invitation is, will you trust God today that he is good and that he will give you what you ultimately need. Paul says in uh, Corinthians that he had a thorn in his flesh. He had a terrible weakness or sickness or something that he couldn't overcome. And he prayed and he asked and God kept telling him, I'm not going to take it away. I'm not going to take it away. And Paul's conclusion was the grace of God is sufficient and he says, I'm going to boast in my weakness because God says, it's in your weakness that my power is going to be displayed. 
And so maybe whatever you're going through right now, you don't know how the story's going to end. You don't know how the situation's going to end. But maybe God isn't taking away. He's not answering the prayer you, maybe you want in the way you want. But maybe God is doing something greater, bigger, more powerful in your life and your, for your glory. I want to end with this story. Just a week ago, I was sitting in this corner. Uh, I met a couple for the first time here in Rapid City, and they, they shared their story with me, and I thought, this is an incredible story. So I'm going to share a little bit of it with you tonight. And this guy, he's a, he's a, a medical person here in Rapid City, but he, uh, he was actually born in Africa, in Liberia, Africa. And there was a doctor here from Rapid City who went to Africa to help uh, people there in this uh, man's country, and he met this man when he was like a 14, 15-year-old boy, and this doctor went there, and he came back, and he was praying here in Rapid City, just walking on the streets, praying, and he felt very clearly God speak to him, and remember, we're talking about prayer, and God, God works through that prayer relationship with him, and he said, this man heard God kind of prompt him, encourage him to invite this boy from Africa to come to Rapid City and to pay for his entire education. <laughs> and uh, he said, are you sure? <laughs> he, he, didn't, he wasn't so sure about that because that felt messy. It felt complicated. It felt difficult. Um, but as he was praying, he felt like God was going to make a way, that he needed to trust God in that plan. And so he did it. He started taking steps, and they got this all worked out, and they got this young boy here, uh, learned English, went to the School of Mines, graduated, is now working in the medical profession here. And I was sitting with them at the table, and this man and his wife have a passion to start a hospital back in Liberia <laughs> and a school and, and start building, investing in other people. And here's why I share that story with you. Because of the boldness of this doctor to respond to God in prayer and do something to, to ask, to seek, to knock. And the difficulty of that decision and everything he did, but the result was blessing, was goodness, was the love of God, the trust of God being built and is bringing transformation, not only in Rapid City, but around the world. So it's just a small little glimpse, I think, of the kingdom of God, what Jesus is talking about. And this happens in millions of ways in many people's lives. But here's, as the worship team comes up, here's what I want us to think about. Because of our relationship with God our Father, and because of His goodness, we can have unselfish, trusting relationships with other people. We can understand and see what others need, what they truly want. And so we don't need to be condemning. We don't need to be judgmental. That doctor could have thought, you know, people in Africa, they're, you know, he could have categorized them. He could have done whatever, but instead he loved. And so we too can go through life with this transformed hearts and understand God's love for those around us. Would you join me in praying? Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word tonight. And even though my words are uh, stumbling and I have a hard time communicating, Lord, I trust that you have spoken through your Holy Spirit in each and every heart here tonight. I give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.